0: This edition of Farming the Countryside is brought to you by Pivot Bio Proven. Turn to a better nitrogen. Learn more at PivotBio.com. Welcome to Farming the Countryside. I'm Andrew McRae. Kelly Garrett has achieved some of the biggest crop yields in the nation, learn some of his successes and challenges he and the extreme ag team are encountering. Plus, we take a look at labor options in agriculture, including some of Kelly's experiences getting farm help from South Africa. It's our topic for this week's Farm in the Countryside, brought to you by Pivot Bio. Where are prices headed? Can you maintain margins with the high volatility in grain and input markets? There is certainly uncertainty. But in these times, Pivot BioProven is working to provide us a certain source of nitrogen, up to the equivalent of 40 pounds of synthetic nitrogen. In fact, it stays put whether or not as Pivot BioProven molecules attach to the roots of the corn plant. And at a time in which margins can be tight and more sustainable farming methods are more than just a buzzword, it's time to look at Pivot Bio. Our on-field demonstrations show an opportunity for a better ROI and a reduction of synthetic nitrogen. To learn more, just go to pivotbio.com. Kelly Garrett farms about 7,000 acres in east-central Iowa. He's achieved some of the highest yields in the nation. But more than achieving high yields, he is also part of something called Extreme Ag. He'll explain that in a moment, but the goal is to help farmers learn from one another. Kelly is the type of farmer who is always learning and experimenting with new products, and no doubt it's one of the reasons he continues to push the efficiency and capacity of his own operation. In the back half of our interview, we discuss some of Kelly's labor challenges and how help from South Africa has paid dividends for him as well. Kelly Garrett is my guest. Kelly farms near Arian, Iowa, which is western Iowa over near Denison. Kelly, thank you for joining me. I know that you cover a lot of ground out there and have some family members involved in the operation along with several other employees. Just begin by talking about uh, where where, and what you farm over there.
1: Thank you for having me, Andrew. My family and I, which consists of my wife, Amber, my dad, Gene, my mom, Kathy, my three sons, Connor, Colin, and Cale. Connor and Cale are on the farm full-time now. Colin has one year left in animal science at Iowa State. We farm about 7,000 acres, which consists of mostly corn, soybeans, and some winter wheat. And then actually this year, because of the cover crops that we do, uh, you know, we're involved with True Terror, the carbon market, we uh, raised about 60 acres of rye and 60 acres of oats, and we're having those cleaned, and we're going to use those for our cover crop seed. We also have a 500-head cow-calf operation, and we have a trucking company because my main source of fertility is a byproduct from Feed Energy, which is a liquid feed company in Des Moines.
0: There is so much there that we could dive into in the the amount of time we have. Uh, This is audio, so people can't see it, but we're seeing each other by video, and right over your shoulder, you've got something that says Extreme Ag. I want to go there uh, next. What is Extreme Ag? Because you're involved as a farmer but you're are you are sharing a lot of information and connecting with a lot of farmers out there through extreme ag
1: yes uh, i'm a founding partner of extreme ag we started extreme ag about march 1st 2020. there's five partners lee lubers in gregory south dakota i'm obviously here in arian iowa matt miles is in mcgee arkansas chad henderson is in madison alabama and kevin matthews is in yakinville north carolina We all got to know each other because we are all participants in Brian and Darren Hefty's egg PhD field day. We were in the first step trials. I would, I guess I would say that the five of us all had a little bit of notoriety or were invited up there because of our success in the NCGA yield contest or like Matt, Matt's the all time leader in soybean production in the state of Arkansas at like 118 bushel or something. I can't remember exactly, but that's how we all got to know each other up at egg PhD. Um, you know, work to get, working together up there and, and learning together, uh, got to be friends, and then you'd see each other at the Commodity Classic, things like that. And we decided to start Extreme Ag, and the kind of the mission statement is to help farmers with their ROI and to shorten their learning curve. And we don't, we don't tell anybody what to do or make a recommendation. We just share with you what we're doing on our farm and what works for us. So we, we started Extreme Ag with the idea of it being a private website and having subscribers, Um, pay to be able to get into the website and then we would share with what we're doing and it would be kind of a peer group you know to learn together and do things together that sort of a web-based platform what we were surprised about what we didn't know is there were companies that were interested in partnering with us or sponsoring us however whatever term you'd like to use and those companies pay Extreme Ag for us to use their products and trials and then report back the trials we we're in our third year now, and so we we now have enough experience under our belt. There's not a lot of failures because we kind of have an idea of what will work and what won't. But but there are some failures, and when it does happen, we uh, we we remain honest, and we will tell you the good, the bad, and the ugly. But we do it in a positive way because we don't want to make any company or anybody look bad. We're not here to be negative. We're not here to be gossip or or drama, or anything like that. We just want to share with the farmer what works and what doesn't, and the companies appreciate that, because I think sometimes, you know, farmers think, well, this is snake oil, or is this is this product any good, and, and they have a hard time believing in advertisement. We're not an advertisement. We're a group of farmers just like you. We're not any smarter than you. We're just not afraid to try, and we're not afraid to share what we do.
0: So talk about for a moment what you're trying. And I think some of what you're doing relates to perhaps the weather you've had lately in your part of the state. Because when I look at the drought map, I think you're teetering on the edge of that dry spot, if not uh, pretty strong uh, drought there. So some of the products, I know you you have everything across the board, but some of what you're doing is talking about how do you deal with the dry weather, correct?
1: Right. You know, uh, using that snake oil term, one of the products... That we uh, that we used last year, and it was a trial. It was the company name was Agrison. They're based out of Dallas, Texas. Uh, Agrison products are available at, at Nutrient. Uh, they brought us. They brought me a product called Accomplish Max, and it was supposed to be stress mitigation. And uh, the the important ingredient to me in Accomplish Max is derived from seaweed, which and i would like this. There's no way this is going to work. What what are we doing here? And so we we had forty. We had 48 rows of it out in the cornfield we had 24 rows with 24 rows without and then another 24 rows with and I made sure that I planted it the two trials in what I would say is a high yield area and then in a stressed area because I really wanted to test it and uh, again I really didn't think I was going to pay attention to it because I didn't think it was going to work we walk out there in June when the corn is say knee high and the corn it was hot this is last year the corn is rolled up hot and dry Uh, you know, we get out there to the 24 rows, Andrew, that's applied, which in the high yield area, the corn is, the corn's unrolled, looks relaxed, looks okay. And at that point I'm like, huh, maybe this isn't snake oil after all. Then we go into the next unapplied area. The corn's rolled up again. Then we get down over the hillside there a little bit. There's a little sand and, and the corn was unrolled again. And I'm like, in this, you know, I've farmed this farm for 24 years. I can tell you where the bad spots at. And the corn was unrolled there. And I'm like, well, now I'm excited. I'm intrigued. Let's wait till harvest. In the high yield area, the difference was 278 and 288. The, the accomplished max gave us 10 more bushel. And it was like a $27 treatment. Well, let's just say $5 corn. $27 treatment in high yield area gave me back $50. But you go down over the hill in that sandy area, and it makes me laugh. Agerson didn't even publish the second trial because they didn't think anybody would believe it. But I'm telling you, because it happened on my own farm, it was 28 bushel. It was 240 and 268. And that opened my eyes to stress mitigation. And and then, you know, the next trial that I would share with you that was exciting for me was Zyway. So Zyway, um, and this is one of the that didn't work out so good in the southern part of the United States. Zyway's, uh since a systemic fungicide from FMC. And they came out and they said, you're supposed to put it in furrow. Well, Kevin in North Carolina and Matt in Arkansas obviously plant way before I do. They put it in furrow, and it was they had a problem with the germination. Well, then I wasn't going to put it in furrow after that, so we put it in our two-by-two. Two. And I put it in the two-by-two, two and I was worried about it because they had trouble. It was on a field, half mile off the road, out across a pasture and something, and I kind of forgot about it because of everything going on. You fast forward to say September, or you know the corn, the corn's starting to dry down. And I asked Mike Evans, my agronomist, one day when we're driving up the road, I said, "What is the deal? Why is that corn down there taller and why is it greener?" And he said, "Well, I've been watching that too. That's the Zyway trial." And so we get down there to harvest it. At that point, you talk about being excited and intrigued again. This is plant, you know, the accomplished max is stress mitigation. The Zyway is plant health. And um, we get down there and we combine it, uh, 26.7 bushel yield response in that trial. And uh, I, I now have a new saying, Andrew, that you've never seen a healthy, stress-free plant before. And or, or, no, let me back up. You don't know what a healthy, stress-free plant looks like. And the reason is you've never seen one. Because I would tell you that all summer in that Zyway field, I thought that corn was okay. You know, And, and then when it started to dry down... That's when you could see the difference. Or like, you know, then I got into studying it further and like Lee Lubers, the partner in South Dakota, I mean, I the guy's like Yoda, I, you know, he knows everything. And uh, he um, he told me that a plant, when a plant is under stress, it emits the hormone ethylene for up to two weeks before you can see it. So by the time we can see that corn rolled up and it's showing, it's, stre- it's been stressed for two weeks. So can imagine that. And imagine the ramifications if we can find products or practices that mitigate that stress or improve that health. So this year I will tell you, because it was a cold spring, things like that. I have Zyway on every acre of corn and I have accomplished max or Oct- Octane from Ag Explorer is a similar product to Accomplish max. You know, they're not the same, but they have similar properties. And, I, and Ag Explorer is another partner of Extreme Ag. I have octane or accomplished max in furrow on every acre of corn and soybeans because of what I saw last year. And that's what Extreme Ag is about. Let's try something. Let's conduct a trial. And then what we learn in the trials, we'll see if we want to scale it up and take it to every acre. And, um, and I can't, I mean, I would like to tell you that I, I know that we've improved some subscribers and some members' farms. I can't tell you how much I've improved my own farm uh extreme ag is, uh, is a huge deal for me and my operation.
0: Are there any genres, so to speak, that seem to be things that farmers should look at right now? Because you mentioned specific products and you also mentioned the term snake oil sesame, which I think a lot of farmers are worried about. There's so many products, you know, so which, which ones should I use? Which ones should I wouldn't or shouldn't? But are there any specific genres that, you know, farmers should be thinking about this and they haven't thought about this a lot in the past? I'm just curious, or some of the tried and true things that we just skip over and that we should be thinking about a little bit more.
1: So the things that I was concentrating on for this year were obviously, you know, like we talked about, the stress mitigation and the plant health. Because I, I believe that we're wasting our N, P, and K budget. And that's what every farmer worries about, N, P, and K. So I believe we're wasting it. You know, I want to break the state record on corn. It's Mr. Francis Childs, 442 bushel. Last year, I put fertility out for what I felt was 500 bushel, and I produced 388. So I wasted 25, 28% of that budget. That's my point. And I believe that happens on every acre in the United States. I don't believe we reach the potential, okay? And, And so if we can make the plant healthier and take the stress off the plant, then we will start to fulfill that. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that uh, a grower needs to increase their budget to allow these products. I would suggest that you should cut back on your N P and K budget a little bit and fit these products in. And like Andrew, if you don't feel good, you don't need a cheeseburger. You might need an aspirin and and some and and something else. You don't need to take the stress off you an aspirin or or an antibiotic. You know, those are the things that you need. You don't need more nutrition. You need something to to make your health better and to take the stress off you. And a plant is no different, we just can't see it. So those are the two things that I really concentrate on. Also, here where I live in the Les Hills, I have a base saturation problem with my soil. It's out of balance because we have too much calcium. So I put on a tremendous amount of sulfur to amend that soil, okay? And, but then the frustrating part is I have all this calcium and it's not plant available. My biggest nutrient deficiency is calcium. And we have learned that over the last year or two, and now we are applying a tremendous amount of calcium. I will tell you that next year, I don't know if there'll be any N, P, and K in furrow on my starter fertilizer, but I bet there's calcium and I bet there's, uh, there'll be calcium and zinc. I, I, I don't want to make that a definitive statement until we harvest it and we see what the yield maps are, but calcium is our, is our biggest nutrient deficiency throughout Extreme Ag and the other people I talk to. It's, it's hard to make it available in the soil. And it's hard, uh, calcium. you know, when you're making a foliar application or something like that, there's very few products out there that, very few calcium products out there that mix well with other things. You put calcium with phosphorus, you're going to be cleaning your planter out. You know, I mean, you have to be so careful what you're doing. And I think that's the reason it gets ignored a lot. But it's a big yield limiting factor. I know it is on my farm anyway.
0: One of the things that I know that you do very well is to try to look ahead at future trends, and that has led you to do a lot of research with beans behind beans because of some things you see coming down the road. At least talk about that for just a second.
1: So, you know, through my, and this is through my marketing uh, representative. His name is Jared Creed. Uh, he's out of uh, Cascade, Iowa. Uh, Jared and I, w- I tell you that uh, Jared laughs when I say this, but Jared's more important to Garrettland Cattle than I am at this point. That's how highly I think of him. And we were having a conversation one day, and this also with the li- this tied in with with feed energy uh, because of the, the things that they do, where they get their ingredients for their liquid feed, is the demand for soy oil in the United States and the growth of it. And because of renewable fuels and how our government and how the economy is pushing renewable fuels, you know, today if you go a year from today, we're going to be able to crush another hundred million bushel of soybeans. Wasn't the I. You know, I can't remember for sure, Andrew, but wasn't the carryout last year 140 million? And we're a year from today, we're going to be able to crush another 100 million. And then you get to like 2025, 2026. If all the plants get built that are being proposed, we're going to be able to crush another 100 million beyond that. All of a sudden, we're at a negative 60 million deficit. You know, those are the easy numbers. Uh, This all has to come to fruition and all has to come true. But because of renewable fuels. The demand for soy oil has exploded. And when when the plants were built, you know, like uh, I, AGB, there's an AGP plant in Manning, Iowa that I haul a lot of beans to, 30 miles away, Bungie South, of the Council Bluffs is 70 miles away. It's the largest bean plant in the world. They, those plants were built with the demand for soy meal to feed livestock. And now it is being suggested that soy meal will become the byproduct, or so, originally soy oil was the byproduct. Now soy meal will become the byproduct and there, because of the demand for soy oil, because of the demand for renewable fuels, and the tax breaks and the credits and the money that oil companies can make producing renewable diesel. So because of that, I think that there is a chance that the soybean market will, you know, maybe detach itself from the corn market. Now, I have a hard time believing some of this because if, if we have demand for beans, we have demand for corn, it'll probably raise everything. However... Never say never, and I don't think there's anything wrong with educating yourself. So we have a 35-acre field that we've never done before. We went beans after beans, and uh, we're experimenting with some nitrogen application on there. You know, everybody, holy grail of farming's corn, and the holy grail of corn is let's put on more nitrogen. But when you look at a removal chart, beans remove more nitrogen than corn. Uh, But it's a challenge to put the beans out there because you don't want the beans to go vegetative. You know, one thing I've been introduced with with Extreme Ag, PGRs, plant growth regulators. Uh, most, of, uh, most of us in the United States are planting our beans too thick. Uh, I keep turning mine down, um, and, and when they are too thick, it's like trees in a forest, or it's like grass in your lawn, a lot of vegetative growth because it's competing for sunlight. And what a plant growth regulator does, it'll shorten up the bean, improve the root structure, make it branch out, things like that. So... I believe that we can learn how to put nitrogen on beans and increase the yield potential, but that plant growth regulator is an important piece of that. That's something else that I focus on with Extreme Mag along with the calcium and the other things. So that's the bean-on-bean research is because of that and the potential uptick in demand I see for soybeans because of renewable fuels.
0: I want to get to one other subject because before we run out of time, you've given so much good information talking about some of the the field trials and things you do through Extreme Ag. But one thing that uh, we discussed earlier on was just how you handle the labor uh, on your operation. Certainly you have some family members back there, but what do you do to try to recruit and retain local labor? And then what have you had to do to recruit some international labor out there?
1: You know, we try to make sure that we are paying our American guys uh, at the, uh, you know, at the top of the pay scale because we have we have a lot of homegrown people here that I grew up with, or they're just a little younger than me. Very talented staff. I lovingly call them SEAL Team Six because I think they can do anything. I think they could run through a wall. Uh, You know, we we offer 401k. We offer medical insurance. We try to offer a flexible schedule when we're not in the field, you know, and, and I mean, you know, there, there's more to life than work. We want to have a good time. We uh, we have lunch brought in here to the shop every day when we're not in the field, and we all sit down and eat together. Uh, my number one goal in life is to have fun, and I want to have fun every day, and I want them to have fun. I want them to enjoy their job as much as I do, uh, very much like a family. Uh, we win as a team, we lose as a team, you know, and uh, I won't, always want to have a positive atmosphere. And but there still isn't enough homegrown talent to have all the needs. You know, we're up to, with the trucking company, we're up to about 35 trucks now. And now because of that, uh, we have come into the H2A program with the U.S. Department of Labor. And we have, tw- right now I have 12 South African H2A workers. They have CDLs, they help us with some trucking, they, uh, they help on the farm, very skilled labor. Uh, great guys, um, They're they're happy to be here um, we're, we're blessed to have them. I don't know what we would do without them. And uh, the H2A program is a great program.
0: Talk about that program a little bit, then how do you recruit folks that are going to come in this case from South Africa? And then are you trying to select folks that already have those skills in South Africa? Have they been on farms there? What's some of their background?
1: You know, originally it started out and I asked Matt and Lee, because they both have H2A workers and we are with a, a company called Golden Opportunities. That help us get our work visas through the Department of Labor, and I'll tell you, the first three guys I had weren't very good, and I let them go. But the third guy, uh, bef- you know, before we let him go, he had helped us recruit some other people, and then we came here, and th- those, the the fourth and the fifth and the sixth guy, they were quite good, and they're still here. And then, just like anything else, you know, word of mouth, and now, you know, we're going to increase to 15 workers in September. And, um, I, I don't have to look very hard for those next three workers because I just tell the 12 that are here, we need three more people and they'll recruit good people. And, um, they, you know, they just like anybody else, they want to be around people that they like and enjoy and things like that. And, uh, my, my staff of South African people is, uh, every bit as hardworking and talented and, and I care for them as just as much as I do the Americans and, uh, blessed to have them.
0: So with that South African group, then how long can they stay? And you mentioned you had to let some go. Could you let them go immediately, or did the contract have to run out? How does that work? No,
1: you. Uh, they can stay about ten months, nine and a half, ten months before they have to go back. And uh, you know, and then we've had, you know, we this is into our second year or third year of it, right in there in the middle somewhere. And uh, they, we've had them go home and come back, and uh, you know, because we want to keep the same people. Um, and, but the ones that we let go. No, you. Uh, a couple of them I gave uh, a time to find another job. Another guy couldn't find another job, so we took him to the airport in Omaha, and he went back to South Africa. He went home.
0: Do you compete then with other farms as far as getting that labor from South Africa? And, and is it a competitive type of wage type of system, or is it everybody makes the same type of wage? How do, How do farms then account for that?
1: You know, uh, there there's quite a few farmers throughout the United States now that that employ South African H2A guys, and every state is is different. And the Department of Labor says what you have to pay them. Uh, in Iowa, I believe it's around fifteen fifty. We are a few dollars above that for when it's somebody that we like and and we want to keep because I you know I just like the American guys. I want to make sure they're well paid and taken care of, and I want them to want to stay here and do a good job.
0: Kelly, before we run out of time here, we've mentioned Extreme Ag in the front part of this interview. Be sure that people know how to connect with that because some may be interested in, you know, joining the effort, so to speak, joining the website and learning more. So how do they do that?
1: Extremeag.farm and extreme starts with an X. That's the website. So it's Extremeag.farm. You can go to the website. You can uh, find us on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. Uh, It's a $750 membership. That gets you into the website to see the private content. That'll get you invited to a couple of events. Uh, there's a private Facebook page that you can take part in. A lot of conversations on there, and you can always email in questions, and we'll we'll cut your learning curve. I for seven hundred and fifty dollars, um, if I can if I can share with you one lesson or that we've learned or one product we've come across uh, for what it costs, what the cost of today's uh, agricultural businesses are, uh, really inexpensive membership
0: the farmers that are on there are they mostly iowa farmers with big fertile fields are they folks like me that have to farm in hills and rocks out there
1: it you know they're clear from north carolina to arkansas to texas we've got a few members in kansas or kansas we've got people all the way up into canada i mean there it's nebraska it it's all over it really is
0: kelly i really appreciate the time good conversation i've enjoyed learning a lot about your farm and uh, what you're doing there
1: Thank you, Andrew. I had a great time.
0: That's it for this week's Farming the Countryside. I appreciate you listening. Remember, you can hear all of our shows at farmingthecountryside.com, on many local radio stations, or on your favorite podcast platform. Plus, you can follow Farming the Countryside on Facebook, and now look for Farming the Countryside on Instagram, where I'm posting pictures and updates from our own farm. I'm Andrew McCray. I'll catch you next time on Farming the Countryside. This edition of Farming the Countryside has been brought to you by Pivot Bio Proven. Turn to a better nitrogen. Learn more at pivotbio.com.